Welcome listeners to a very different episode, one involving artificial intelligence and creativity. Today I get to bring you narratives created by the hand of a man and the brain of a machine. I bring you narratives created by artificial intelligence. Have you ever heard of the neural network or deep learning AI? Well, the best way I can describe this is if you design artificial intelligence with a series of algorithms and data processes that mimic, imitate, and mirror the human brain. This means that the artificial intelligence will have processes that recognize not only just the data being inputted as value, but develop context around the inputted data. So, let's take the object dog. To a computer without deep learning or artificial intelligence, a dog is just that, the value. A series of strings essentially text. But really, listeners, it means nothing to the machine, only us, right? But an artificial intelligence will assign metadata, push that data through a series of steps to attribute meaning to the word dog and the context of what a dog is, using the internet to feed itself that knowledge. For example, what is a dog, not a cat? Friendly to a human? Animal? Furry? Alive? Companion? Etc. Artificial intelligence nowadays will go one step further and know what a dog is in relation to the environment it's placed in. So when the computer places the word dog next to the word human, it can digitally recognize their relationship the same way our brain does when you place them together in a sentence. This awareness helps it create sentence structure and the resources on grammar, context, and what objects should be in a story are informed by resources all around the world, with key algorithms being designed by computer engineers. During this process, their algorithms, their processes, will eventually mimic human processes. Neural networking AI is just that, machines becoming human. Today's stories are the makings of a machine using those processes and I had a lot of fun doing this. I spent a good time laughing and you'll hear me laughing a little bit during my recordings of this AI-aided insanity. Because these technologies are still being developed and are at a stage where sometimes the stories don't make sense. Well, I mean, most of the time the stories don't quite make sense. Because they use the internet to feed their knowledge, for better or worse. One of the biggest gaps that I found when inputting my stories or narratives into the machine was that it didn't really have a proper concept of time and the passage of time. So people and places or objects and their interactions don't always follow chronologically or even add up in a narrative sense. So let's say one of them is dead, but then somehow they're back in the next scene, stuff like that. But it's these kind of narratives that produce hilarious outcomes. In this case, the technology I used was Talk to Transformer by Adam King, where the user starts the story and the robot finishes it using the internet as a resource. These were my starting plot sentences that I chose to input into the computer, intentionally to push the limits of what it can do. So the stories are as follows. Aaron the Cheese Wizard was defending his fort made of crackers. A sentient bucket is attacked by ants and defends itself with water to kill the ants. A gorilla robs a bank in Pennsylvania and is shot twice in the left arm. Whilst escaping, he's tracked by a wolf cop bent on his capture. A small bug lands on a bunny's nose. A magical bug land on a rough, worn-out shoe, giving it powers. 
A sausage discovers that it has the power to consume berries and use them as a fuel source. And lastly, be happy and not sad. So yeah, I had some seriously wacky stories on my hands as a result, and I narrated this handful of stories for a fun experiment. Wanted to share them with you all so you can have a taste of what it's like to hear stories straight from the perspective of a machine. A machine bound by hundreds and thousands of rules in a creative narrative space where rules simply don't exist. Now, turn up the sound, plug into your PC and experience some truly bizarre and out of this world tales. The Cheese Wizard with a Fort of Crackers Aaron the Cheese Wizard was defending his fort made of crackers with his two young companions, but Aaron could see that the walls of the fortress were crumbling beneath their weight. He started to run, but Aaron caught sight of the giant flying between the crackers, and the two boys turned. With a grunt, the giant shot away over them and headed for the other way. Mr. Aaron, why are you running with two young knights? They're just going to get in the way, yelled one of the knights, but the others followed behind them. Aaron and the girls were suddenly faced with an enemy with more than a little sense of humor. They'd seen Aaron running away from them when they were little, and he'd never been this scared in his life. Aaron began to panic, and in frustration, he turned to see the princess and the wizard, which is himself, both of them with the same fear in their eyes. He quickly scrambled away, ignoring the sudden appearance of the knights. Just then, another explosion rang out to their right, startling a few other fighters. Aaron looked at them in shock, but he wasn't sure if he was surprised, too. He'd been running through the snow for hours in the distance, and as he watched the clouds slowly rise, he wondered, why was the cloud? Cloud, cloud, cloud. <laughs> Aaron and Jana the Sneaky Sneak Aaron the Cheese Wizard was defending his fort made of crackers in an episode where he was forced to defend his fort made of crackers when a little girl named Jana was trying to sneak in. So far, she had been shot, slashed, and bruised, Jana ran through the fort wall and reached the cheese wizard, but got caught in the middle of the fight and dropped her cheese bomb. The cheese wizard fell, knocking down the little girl. There she was. Her little sister was killed. Her father lost his life. Her friends and everyone she ever knew was gone. The cheese wizard was shocked that such an event would happen during a war, which has the potential to be over by now. She tried to convince Arthur to take her advice and stop the war, but she was turned down again. This time, she was unable to stop the attack, and her father was killed by the warlock's magic. The wizard knew the boy was innocent, but the child's parents were in hiding and could have done no harm to their son. They were sent back to their homeland. The wizard's heart sank at the thought of Arthur's life in the hands of someone they knew little about, and was ready to run for his life. But it wasn't her father's time to die. It was his. He had helped the wizard in her quest against those villains. The Bucket Who Hates Ants A sentient bucket is attacked by ants and defends itself with water to kill the ants while the bucket is still breathing. After a short while, the ants start to panic and try to destroy the bucket with their feet. The bucket is broken in half, but a spider tries to eat the ant and is killed. The next time the bucket is attacked by ants, the spider was poisoned, but the bucket protects itself with water to kill the ant by using a magnet. But there is a door between them, like a door into a box. The bucket has been attacked by a few ants and keeps attacking the ants, 
and it is destroyed. The bucket has started to smell of fresh water, and it keeps biting ants with its tongue, and it kills one ant with its mouth. The bucket continues to attack ants, and the ants start to smell of water again. The bucket keeps biting ants, and the ants die, but after another time, a spider comes through the door into the bucket and kills the spider with a horn. The bucket is attacked by both ants and spiders and keeps attacking them, and it is destroyed. The next time the bucket is attacked by an ant, it jumps on top of the ant and holds it down with both hands until it dies. The spider is attacked by the bucket, and it continues to bite the spider until it dies, but is broken in half. The bucket is attacked by ants with its mouth, and it kills itself. That's a lot of buckets. The Dork Alot Bucket In the Last Rites of the Unborn, a sentient bucket is attacked by ants and defends itself with water to kill the ants when the water dries up. In the Last Rites of the Unborn, this bucket is eaten by one of the unborn. The Dork Alot Bucket A sentient bucket takes off with the aid of a robot to make its way through some kind of trap. When it comes to making it back, it takes off too far to get the robot back and takes off again under attack from ants. When the robot's antennae turns to dust, the bucket lands on top of a boulder and its antennae are damaged. This would not happen if it wasn't poisoned by a small amount of arsenic. This bucket then goes to the moon. A small bucket on Mars will give out though when it's approached by a large one. The bucket that runs for its life is a smart bucket. The bucket that keeps coming back for more is a dumb bucket. During the last rite of the unborn, a bucket on the other side of a river in the last rite of the unborn returns in time to stop and escape at the lake to find and kill the thief who brought the bucket back to earth. The bucket stops running for five seconds, then stops and starts coming back until it is almost dead by the time it makes it back. The bucket has run out of time. The Gorilla Robs a Bank a gorilla robs a bank in Pennsylvania and is shot twice in the left arm. Whilst escaping, he's tracked by a wolf cop bent on his capture. The gorilla kills him and then takes his gun. Another gorilla robs a bank in Kansas and is shot twice in the head. Then, a chase continues with a dog and a boy. The boy is injured but manages to stab the dog in the stomach and escape. The dog continues to attack and is caught by the boy's uncle who attempts to rescue the dog. That night, however, the animal breaks free from her chains and kills the boy. It's thought that the boy was sleeping in the bushes at night while his uncle held off the beast. In the aftermath of the attack, however, the monster escapes into the bush, where it hunts down two female dogs. The dogs are later found strangled to death, but as in all animal attacks, the creature is also eaten. Despite this, the creature has now escaped from prison and has not reappeared since. Barely alive, the human goes looking for the wolf cop. The chase and subsequent chase with the gorilla and the dog are interrupted during the search by a pair of thieves who have set their car for a hit for stealing food from a church picnic. The thieves are Mr. and Mrs. O'Mahony. A small bug and the masked power it brings. A small bug lands on a bunny's nose, that she then finds very appealing. It's a bug that allows the bunny to wear a bunny mask over her mouth so that it doesn't give in to an evil sneer, but that also leaves her nose looking a bit like a bunny face, although there aren't actually any cute little bunny masks out there. 
He is always trying his best for me at all times, you know. Even in my dreams, I'm looking out to see if she sees me, Ruby says as she takes off the wig from her head. Yeah, that is why sometimes his face looks like a bunny on the outside, he says, staring into her eyes and listening to her say the words that are coming out of her mouth. Yep, if he sees me, he will see right through me, Ruby says with a happy smile. Her words were perfect as she is completely confident that he has gone through the trouble of preparing her for that day in which he will be going up against her. Even if she is nervous, she would be all too happy. Even if she didn't believe in him anymore, she will still trust in him and trust him that he is ready to be the world champion. I bet that this is the first you will hear of me. Oh, and the bunny mask and a bunny face is something you are going to need today. The Bug, The Bunny Nose, The Bear A small bug lands on a bunny's nose. A tiny bunny has his ears stuck behind the bunny for a while, and then suddenly, it doesn't seem to matter anymore and runs off. All around, there's the bunny looking at his nose, and then the bunny looking at the bunny's nose, and all of a sudden, without knowing, he becomes a real bear. And then he jumps into the bunny's nose and bites away at it. But before long, a bear is biting off the fox's nose. Oh, he's just trying to make a fox happy. I think if he bites off the fox's nose as it's sitting there, he'll turn out to be right about how it gets bigger every year. Or maybe he is, but I don't think it's that big anyway. And finally, what's up with that big ass bear in the bottom right? It doesn't appear to be a bear. In fact, he looks exactly like a bear. It's the same color, its eyes are the same size, its nose is the same size, his paws are exactly the same size. We can assume he was a cub, born while that rabbit was still in the nest and raised as part of the family for a while. Is he the one who killed that bunny? Is that what happened? Is it? Is it? <laughs> the Shoe with Bug Bear Powers a magical bug lands on a rough, worn-out shoe, giving it powers. While it doesn't seem to be a permanent change, the bug is able to transform into a magical animal that can attack and defeat things. A magical bug also knows how to transform itself into a weapon of mass destruction, though this is only possible by becoming a creature of evil alignment. In an effort to bring an end to the corruption and injustice that was once carried out by the Dark Legion, the very Legion that was brought down, but not destroyed. This was accomplished by the destruction of what remained of the Dark Legion. <laughs> While the Legion was gone, the remnants of the Dark Legion began to return to do terrible things. This culminated with the destruction of many of the cities, farms, and even castles that once had been home to their forces. The Shadowlands, also known as the Shadowlands, is a part of the Greater Evil, and is located outside of Shadowfell. Its nature is far more sinister and demonic, as it is almost entirely covered with shadow, much like Shadowmere. This region has grown in value since the destruction, and has been a focal point of activity for many Dark Legion cultists over the years, being one of the few places in the world where most Dark Legion cultists can legally be found. Some have even said that the Shadowlands will always remain that place where cultists are found. Mushroom's Revenge and the Forgotten Sausage 
a sausage discovers that it has the power to consume berries and use them as fuel sources to the moon's wind turbine. But the moon does not care and uses the berries as raw materials with no return on any of these. Now, after the fruit finds itself in the hands of the moon-eating fungus, the farmer uses these to produce the most awesome kind of sausages they have ever seen, which is a mushroom cheese. Now, the fungus that eats the mushrooms is in charge to stop the mushroom cheese, which is what's killing them, and making the moon go crazy and eat everyone on the alien planet that's gone insane. It's time to face the mushroom, and in a bizarre way, the mushroom and the moon both get to eat their own hands, which leaves both as the last surviving members of their race. But the mushroom gets more than he bargained for. Now, after he's face to face with the mushroom, he learns his true power and is able to defeat the mushroom cheese by using magic. But the evil being in charge turns on the farmer, destroying all of the humans and destroying the moon. And while they're about to fall from time and space, a huge explosion destroys the moon before their very eyes. And so ends this epic movie, which is a real treat for movie buffs, but also really hard to follow with a newbie. The frog that forgot how to use his legs will eventually get in a fight with the main character of his story. It sounds like you're going to have some fun with this one. The frog, after discovering an old newspaper clipping, learned about an important event that occurred in the past. If you've ever had issues with the paperclip, i.e. your parents, your friends, your dog, etc., then you know all about it. What if in the future, that same child's old newspaper clipping was the only thing he had? What if he was able to read the newspaper? What if it wasn't even written by the frog? Who could he be? There are three frog stories to be told this year, each with one of the main characters. The main issue that keeps coming up with each story is whether the frog will get to know his friend or friend will get to know the frog. On top of some great story possibilities, there will be a wide variety of scenarios, each of which you could choose from. The main plot revolves on a frog getting to know his frog friend. He finds out some of the important people from his past, and when you've finished one story, the third will come along. <laughs> That's actually what makes this game fun to play with friends. The frog that forgets how to use his legs, but still manages to climb high into the air with little trouble. The frog of the future and the futureless. The frog who forgot to be afraid during a rainstorm and instead went out of the house crying in joy. The frog who thought all of his days had come to an end and then, after having gone to sleep, decided to eat a steak. As the frog who lost all sense of being human and also that frog becomes completely and utterly non-functional, just like how the frog would no longer have emotions if it were completely turned into a machine as an early prototype of a machine. The frog still has no memories. This is another reason why we're so afraid of them. This was shown by the frog who thinks that its death would make its new life worth living. And when the frog became human again, there were no more tears and joy. The frog of the future just has no memories either. Even though it's quite strong, the frog has no memories. So I guess we can only assume that we are not in the future, but just in this one future. That will be the frog's final result. There are a lot of future stories with frogs, so I hope you can find them interesting. And if you are interested, then be interesting. And our last story is, be happy and not sad. 
Let go of the feelings and stay in reality. Go, told the audience. The best solution to these problems is to put your faith and your soul into others and help them. That's the best way. When I started the journey, no one did that, and I was lucky because many people were inspired, the founder said. The message was repeated over and over again at the conference, which featured talks by several well-known leaders and personalities from the technology center. At the center was Go, who is the second largest shareholder in Flipkart. The founder said that for him, the greatest challenge was to give back to society as a whole, which is why he's been investing in social enterprise. His biggest challenge is not having money or having the skills, but to use what he's learned to give back, he said. Go has come from an affluent family in Mumbai working class neighborhoods to start Flipkart. When other young men in the same age bracket were in the same position, he went to IT college, but left when his dream to make it big in the industry was lost. I thought, why am I living a life of ease in my mind? My time was not valuable, or my money was not important, or I am not used to success. And mate, this ends today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. Next week, I'm going to jump back into scary tales, but I'd love your feedback on these kind of stories, particularly if you enjoyed them. Do you want more of these kind of tales or not really your thing? And if you do like these tales, would you enjoy me putting up a poll or a voting system so we can all have a vote on the stories you'd like turned into AI-generated tales? Let me know, mates, and as always... Till next, we meet.